Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cyberwork with InfoSec podcast, the weekly podcast where we sit down with a different industry thought leader each week to discuss the latest cybersecurity trends and how these trends are affecting the work of InfoSec professionals, as well as tips for those trying to break in or move up the ladder in the cybersecurity industry. Today's episode is a webinar released on July 17th, 2019. Uh, and it features InfoSec instructor and managing partner at KM Cybersecurity, Keytron Evans. During the course of this webinar, Keytron will answer your most pressing questions about how to start and advance your cybersecurity career. If you're feeling stuck in your current position or you're looking to get started, Keytron's extensive knowledge and experience in cybersecurity will provide you with a needed boost as you decide on your next steps. And now let's listen to this one-hour episode titled Ask an Expert, How to Start and Advance Your Cybersecurity Career, featuring Keytron Evans and moderator Camille Dupuy. Hello there, everybody, and thank you for joining today's webinar. Um, today, we're going to ask the expert how to start and advance your cybersecurity career. Uh, my name is Camille Dupuy, and I am the Marketing Events Manager at InfoSec. Um, and today, we have with us Keytron Evans. Let's go ahead and meet our guest. Um, so today, we have Keytron Evans, and Keytron is an InfoSec instructor as well um, as a managing partner at KM Cybersecurity. And Great to have you with us, Keytron. You know, you've done a couple webinars with us before and, and always a fantastic guest for us. So thanks for joining. Um, and as I said, my name is Camille Dupuy and I'll be the moderator today. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and kind of, as we go here, turn it over to Keytron. But first, want to let everyone know that this is, of course, going to be a very interactive webinar. This is a time for everyone to ask questions, um, you know, anything related to advancing your cybersecurity career or questions you kind of have getting into the industry, um, you know, anything from specific to broad. We'll get to as many of those questions as we can today. Um, so, Keytron, I'm going to kind of turn it over to you and, and see if you would share, you know, some of your background, some of how you got started in the industry, um, perhaps education, experience, certification, some, some stuff kind of in that realm. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's always a lot of that stuff, but I'm just going to try to focus on the stuff that actually uh, contributed to IT because, you know, I mess around with music and stuff like that, uh, you know, early on in, sure. as a potential career field. But uh, essentially what happened was I was working for a small city uh, in Mississippi as an assistant to the city engineer, you know, and at that point they decided they needed computers and, and I was the only one that was, um, you know, under the age of 50 at the time. So they were like, yeah, that's your job now is to get us two computers and get them set up. So it really started for me just, just going to, uh, a local computer shop, buying a computer, coming back and getting it set up. And from that, it graduated into other things. Like there was a, a certification that used to be popular back in the day called the Nobel CNE. So um, I was, I got my first certification. This is all the way back in 1998. I think I was like uh, 18 or so. Uh, sure. Nobel got their, their CNE certification and set up my very first network. And from that, you know, a year later, everybody was like, oh, well, Nobel's going away. Now you have to learn Microsoft. So I went the MCSC route um, just to learn how to do what it is I was supposed to be doing. And that was really the start for me. And, and kind of one of the, the good points of that is it was a really small city. So mm -hmm. uh, and I also learned, too, that like my foray into cybersecurity or, you know, IT security was when I was working for a small company as well. So for those of you that are that are looking to try to go land that first cyber job in a big company, 
you might want to reconsider that some because there's advantages also to like doing it with a small company because they're more apt to, you can get approvals for training and stuff like that a lot easier um, if the right. small company is going to pay for it because you might be the person that's responsible for everything. And I think that was what happened to me. I was in charge of everything computers and eventually everything computers, including security. So um, it allowed me to, to be able to get that training and, and get into certifications and stuff when certifications was really brand new. Like it was really no one in the game but Microsoft and Novell. Um, so that's how I started. Um, got tired of that job. I figured I could do more. So I moved to Chicago, uh, interviewed at a few places and, uh, you know, got a job right away doing just basic uh, break fix, replace hard drives, that type thing. And the company I was working for didn't have anybody but me. It was a pretty engineering firm of about 20 people. And they uh, had me doing most of their computer stuff, they called it back then. And what ended up happening is I was like, okay, well, I'm tired of this. So I want to do something that is a little more exciting to me. So I still have an Excel sheet that I created. This is like in 2000, uh, mm -hmm. where I kind of listed out certifications and things that I wanted to learn. And this was all based on just what I knew about the industry so far. Um, CISSP, CEH was brand new. It had just come out. And that was really my connection with InfoSec at that point, because at that time there was really like two places uh, doing the training. And I met Jack and took the class from him. And shortly after I taught a few classes and he's like, yeah, you're teaching from now on. I'm not doing it because <laughs> I, don't, I don't get evals as good as yours. So there, it doesn't make sense for me to do it. And that's kind of how I started with that side of it. But sure. the certifications definitely opened the doors to um, meeting people to get other opportunities. Um, you know, I tell people sometimes you can take a five day certification class and out of that five days, you only learn maybe one thing that's valuable to you. But sometimes that one thing is really, really valuable. Like it right. really takes you to that next level. Um, so that's kind of how I got started with it. It was, it wasn't a, you know, I didn't go to a big fancy university, like went to, you know, small Mississippi universities. Uh, okay. it, it was no Harvard, you know, MIT, none of that kind of stuff. And I just kind of kept digging, you know, to just do better and do better and do better um, to get to that next step. And that kind of, one of the things that I wanted to point out too, because this is a question that I know is going to come up, is people will, you know, go get certifications, get degrees, and say, yeah, I've got these degrees, I've got these certs, and I've interviewed at 10 places and I didn't get the job. So you guys are saying that there's all these jobs in IT security and cybersecurity, you know, why am I getting passed over? And what I would say to that is, first of all, you know, you need to get out of the mindset that because you have a cert and because you have a degree, you're absolutely going to get that job that you're applying for. Um, you have to actually be good at it. <laughs> like you have, to, you have to put the work in to make yourself good at what you're doing. Just having the paper doesn't really guarantee you the job. Now there are some jobs where they'll hire people just because of the cert, because they need that button to seat with that cert, right. some uh, compliance criteria or something like that. But the jobs that a lot of people are going for where you're actually doing hands-on pen testing and hands-on threat hunting and stuff like that, you actually have to be good at it. Uh, because just <laughs> like you're applying for it with all your certs, you're in a line of other people with certs applying for it. And even though there's lots of jobs out there, we're going to pick the people that can actually demonstrate that they have the skills better. So getting the certs, you know, I'm, what I'm saying is 
don't count on getting the job because you have the certs, but you can almost count on not getting a job if you don't have the certs. So <laughs> kind of like one of those things you have to do it, but you have to do that plus actually put the time in to become good at what it is you're trying to do. And the way I have always looked at it when I found out about security is every time I figured out how to do a hack or how to do something that I, that I didn't know how to do, I felt like I had been kind of running a marathon and it seems like every mile someone hands me like a thousand dollars. So imagine how hard it is to run a marathon, but imagine how much easier it'd be if every mile someone just handed you a thousand dollars cash. Uh, I think I think I'd turn into a runner pretty quickly. Exactly, <laughs> you push yourself to that point, and that's exactly I kind of get that same feeling every time I figure out something that I didn't know how to do security related. I feel as if someone just handed me a thousand dollars, you know, not a million because I was retired at that point, but I feel like someone's handing me a thousand dollars, and that kind of drives me to just keep learning and keep going and keep finding out new things. And what I would say to people is, if you're in this industry and you don't get that feeling when you figure out something or when you solve a puzzle or when you commit that, that first hack, then you know, reconsider maybe this is not the thing that you should be doing if you don't enjoy what you're doing to the point that you get that kind of euphoric feeling when you jump that plateau and move on to a level that you weren't at before. Right. Oh, that's a fantastic analogy, Keytron. I really like that, you know, just and, and seeing this is an industry that doesn't stop changing, right? So you have unlimited potential to keep running that marathon and keep earning those thousand dollars, right? Because there's going to be something new that someone needs to figure out every day. So um, really, really great analogy there. Um, so let's kind of move on. Um, thanks for the kind of the background. So the guests here kind of know who they are privileged to speak with today. Um, for the guests that just joined, um, please use the Q&A panel to start submitting questions. We're going to now move on to questions that were submitted through the registration process. And I see from the attendee list, I think there's um, some of the folks live on here that submitted some questions. So we, we picked some out. Um, that people pre-submitted for the webinar and then we're going to save time at the end as well to answer questions here in the live session. Um, so starting out from this question with, from Michelle T um, and, and Keytron, this is kind of pertinent because um, you said that you actually went into, you know, thinking about other careers. So Michelle said, what is your advice for someone going from a teaching career into a new or second career in various cybersecurity roles? Um, she has a bachelor's and a master's degree, but they are in music and Italian language. Um, would she have to go back to school or would she just work on certifications? Well, I would probably advise initially working on certifications um, to get yourself in the door of somewhere that will then pay for whatever else uh, you need to get. Because the thing is, if you look at a lot of the IT security and the cybersecurity jobs, they don't necessarily say you need a degree in computer science or uh, even anything technical. Mo most of them will say you must have a bachelor's degree. And that's like the first step that you need to meet for a lot of these jobs. So if you have a bachelor's degree, that qualifies you to interview for a lot of positions. And then on top of that, they'll say, and you must have this certification, this one, and this one. So they usually append it with, you can have a bachelor's degree in whatever, but you need these certifications to prove that you actually know about something about this industry. So I would say probably start off with the certifications because for one, they're cheaper, you can get them faster, and it gives you an opportunity 
to get into doors to places uh, a lot sooner. And also, since you have a teaching background, you know, uh, talk to InfoSec about uh, coming on as, a, mm -hmm. as an instructor after you get a few good certifications under your belt, because uh, they're always looking for good instructors and people that right. have a, a, a good, you know, ability to teach. Uh, teaching has also been a great way for me to learn things. You know, um, some of the basic fundamental stuff like, you know, how TCP works and all these things, you, a lot of times you can learn that stuff and remember it better um, after you've taught it to somebody else a thousand times, you know, so uh, teaching is also a good way to learn. Right. And I, I think that's an interesting point to consider, Kitran, like you said, um, a lot of times people will request or people or, or hiring companies will request um, a bachelor's or, or a master's degree. And I think a lot of times what they're requesting is that's showing that somebody's got the ability and and willingness to learn um, and then pursuing that with certifications. So even if it's not directly in the field you're going into, um, you know, I think I've, I've heard some stories of different individuals who have gotten into cybersecurity from very different careers, um, but it's just those individuals that really have the willingness and interest in learning new skills, which they can prove then by certifications instead of degree necessarily. Absolutely. Yeah, the best pen tester I have on my team, she was not a, she didn't come from a technical background. She didn't have a comp sci degree or any technical degree. She was actually um, majoring in drama, but okay. she, she was interested in uh, computers and hacking and technology. And uh, we kind of just mentored her and, and just, I would give her little projects to go and practice on and she would take it to the next level. And once Very I cool. saw it, I was like, okay, she's going to be really good at it because she's really digging into it and doing way more than I asked, you know, to, to right. solve the problem. But she's learning a whole lot while doing it. And now she's literally the top uh, pen tester that I have. And she's got the least amount of actual technical experience of everybody else. So. Wow. Very cool. It, it's so cool to see how people can transition in, in this industry and, and really come from, um, come from anywhere and be successful. Absolutely. Um, so here's a question that was submitted. Um, what projects do you do on your own to learn more about cybersecurity and kind of where do you get started? And that question's from um, Prabin. So I think, you know, kind of interested in, um, like you said, you just kind of started um, playing around with different, different computer strategies and that kind of thing. And, and how did you know where to start? Yeah, that's a good question because back then in 98, uh, when I was starting, there was no really internet, you know, or it didn't exist like it does today. Right. So um, you really had to, to uh, read books, you know, I would go to the local computer store, because uh, there was one, there was only one for like a 100 mile radius of where I grew up, right. So like there was the computer store for that entire part of uh, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So I would go there. And when you would go to buy things, like I'd go buy cables and, and new network cards and and different pieces. And while you're in there, you have conversations with the people that work there. Uh, because at that point in time, the culture was different than the computer store was where you went is like your hub. That was kind of like your internet uh, to get information about technical things because those people were, had access. They were trying to sell stuff. They knew what was coming out uh, in the near future. So I actually got into networking and stuff like that just by hanging out there. But now I would say join, definitely join some groups on uh, LinkedIn, like jump into some of the, the cybersecurity groups, and they're all rated, so you can 
find the ones that are really good. Um, right. From that point, definitely just start doing some hands-on projects. Like get on there to see what people are doing, but you're gonna have to actually uh, get some hands-on stuff yourself. So I would recommend downloading a few VMs like Kali, uh, because we all use that in the industry at, on some level. Um, download Metasploitable uh, so that you can start practicing how to exploit things. And there's a lot of other careers in cybersecurity other than pen testing, other than uh, hacking. But I still think it's one of the best places to start uh, practicing because it builds so many different types of skill sets other than just pen testing. I mean, you're going to get very solid with Linux. You're going to get solid with some scripting. Um, you're going to get solid with just how operating systems and how networks work. Um, it requires you to kind of get a good mastery of all those things. So I still think that just diving into looking at like Security Plus, even if you don't take a class, just look at the syllabus and just go learn those things, practice those things. Same thing with CEH, go look at the syllabus and then learn those things and then to maybe take a class after that, you know, after you've studied it enough on your own to justify spending that money. Right. And now follow up to that, a question that kind of came through was, um, these are two, two big certs in the, in the security world. Um, and someone was wondering what the difference kind of is between pen testing and ethical hacking. Yeah, there's, so it's really not that much of a difference. Really pen testing is a form of ethical hacking, right? So okay. pen testing is generally a professional service that we provide to customers and it is a form of ethical hacking that we get paid for. Now, sure. you see different definitions of it in industry. Some people say, well, if I hack into chase.com or bankofamerica.com, but I don't take anything and I just do that to show them what their vulnerabilities are, that's ethical hacking. But you right. have to be careful with that because maybe your intent is to be ethical, but still you just broke the law and you still could go to jail for doing that without a signed contract. Right. So I think the definition is kind of gray there, uh, but generally speaking, I would say that pen testing is just a form of ethical hacking that's, you know, been morphed into a professional service that we uh, sign contracts and get paid for. Sure. Okay. That's, I think that's helpful to, to kind of answer that question. I know that those are just two, two buzzwords and someone who's starting out in the industry, um, you know, can see why there'd be some confusion on that. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so here's a question from Chandra. Um, she says she's already completed digital forensics and computer security course, um, and she has the room and a variety of equipment at home where she likes to test scenarios without destroying the network she actually uses for work. Um, so this is kind of going back to the different ways to practice, I think. Um, she knows there are online games, hacking challenges, et cetera, but she'd like to have a system and a network where she can have a bit more control and access. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's a good question too. And part of, I think, what she's getting at there is she wants to be able to build the network because you actually learn a lot building, uh, you know, your, your practice area. But Chandra, what I would strongly recommend to that is kind of, you know, give all that equipment a break. Uh, go and set yourself up an Amazon AWS account or Microsoft Azure or Google Cloud account and go on there, set up some VMs, set up some virtual routers, uh, start learning about virtual private clouds and software defined networking. Because the thing about it is if you look at what's happening in the world now, most 
companies, large and small now, are rapidly migrating everything to cloud services. So there won't be a need, there won't be as much of a need, I don't think, in the near future for the skill sets to be able to work on actual hardware. You're going to be much more valuable knowing how to navigate inside a cloud services environment. Uh, and if you build an environment of your own from scratch, that is the best way for you to get kind of leapfrog everybody else and have a leg up on that when you're tossed into that environment in a corporate situation uh, to have to manage it, do security, pen testing, whatever the case may be. So I would recommend doing that instead of, and then use that space and you know throw away, get all that equipment, sell it on eBay to someone that didn't watch this webinar. So they, <laughs> they're still buying equipment and uh, you know, set yourself up a music room or something. I like that. I like that uh, tip there. That's fantastic. Um, but it is interesting to see kind of how many, how many um, companies and things are transitioning to the cloud. And as we said, you know, you just got to keep up with the industry to stay in the industry. So um, good recommendation on, on, you know, what's coming up. And I think that's important that people continue to watch for the future, you know, some certifications um, unfortunately might not be valuable in, in a few years. So definitely keeping up to speed is important with that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Perfect. Uh, well, we've got a couple more submitted questions before we move on to questions from attendees. So want to remind everyone to uh, start submitting those. Feel free in the Q&A panel. Um, but let's move on to the next question here. Um, so Keytron, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your certifications and how you planned those. And then as well as the other part of the question is, does experience outweigh certifications or vice versa? And kind of what you see there. Yeah, so that's a really good question too. Um, now, currently I've got over, you know, like 70 different certifications mm -hmm. and different things. And initially I did have a plan for how I would approach them. And it started out with um, just looking at what was out there and what they covered. And, you know, I looked at, at the time CISSP was kind of like where I wanted to, to be because it was looked at as if you get this one, it's kind of the grandfather of all. But then what happened is, as I got into it, I, I learned what the certifications actually were. And now I even recommend to people, CISSP may be a good next logical point after like Security Plus or something like that, because it covers a lot of different things very shallowly. And that allows you to get an idea of what it is you really want to do and specialize in uh, because you kind of touch on all of it with something like CISSP or CISM. So my plan was to, to get, you know, I had a very solid, like I said, I have this big Excel sheet. I had in there first A plus, network plus, and the logic behind that was I needed to learn the basics first. And then after network plus, I went to security plus and all the Microsoft like MCSC, and then I moved into the security stuff after that. And that was kind of my plan was to make sure that once I got into the hacking, I actually knew how operating systems worked. I knew how networking worked. Um, because again, once you hack a system, you know, you go and get, you know, Metasploit Pro or whatever, and you compromise a system, what are you going to do once you get on that system? If you don't understand how the operating system works, if you don't understand how networks work. So I was afraid of that. I was, I've always been afraid of being underprepared. So I always uh, just stack and make sure I plan it out. The other reason I think this question is really good is because the whole experience outweighing certifications things, that's kind of a big argument uh, in the industry. And my take on it, what I always tell people 
is definitely if I'm hiring someone to do a specific job that requires a specific technical skill, if they've got a lot of experience doing that, that's probably going to be more important to me than them having the certifications because I can get them the certifications really quickly. But there's also the flip side of that argument, which is, you know, from you, for yourself, for your own personal goals, Camille, if you were trying to do this, what I would say to you is, well, experience is something that you get over time. You know, sure. there's the only way to get five years experience is to work for five years. And right. it takes a minimum of five years. Um, mm-hmm. But the certifications you can get right now. So you got these two things. You got to get both. You got to have experience and you got to have the certs. So why would you delay one, you know, uh, when you can get that now while you're trying to wait until get the opportunity to get the other? Because experience is definitely going to probably come from an opportunity uh, that either mm-hmm. someone gives you or an opportunity you create for yourself. But either way, while you're, you're, you know, provisioning that opportunity or waiting for it, you should still be getting the certifications because you can do that now, you know, and you right. can do that really quickly and increase your net worth as far as a cybersecurity career right away just by getting some of the certifications. Right. No, and that's a, that's a great point. I think there's a little bit of, again, a gray area in that space because like you said, you know, certifications, um, can get them so quick, like, you know, someone who has a little bit of knowledge and has some of those prerequisites, you know, they could sign up for a couple courses right in a row and and pass those all and all of a sudden become so much more valuable. Um, But also experience where they've done this hands-on work for several years um, is also of incredible value as well. So that is a really interesting question. I think it's really a paradigm of, of how that works in this industry. Yeah, it's, it's definitely important because I can remember, um, you know, when I was taking, going through my Microsoft stuff, there was a service that Microsoft introduced, I think with Windows 2000, uh, when they went to Windows 2000 MCSE, and it was something called Volume Shadow Copy Service. And what that means is anything on your system, if you, you know, right click it and turn on something called versioning, what it does is if you were to delete a Word document, for example, and modify it, well, every time you make a change, micro, Windows creates a, the previous version of that document. So you can go into your computer, even with the versions of Windows that we use now, right-click any document, go to previous versions, and if you have the, shot, the shadow service on, you can see all the different versions and actually restore it. So if you modified a document the wrong way for the last five hours and you want to go back to where it was before, you can do that just within the operating system. Whereas be, right before that, we would have to go get backup tapes and, and all kinds of stuff like that to restore those documents. And that was a service that was key because what happened for me is I went into an interview once where they gave a scenario on how would you go about restoring these documents if they got deleted. It was a network engineer position. And the person that inter- everybody else had interviewed uh, is what the manager told me was that they said, yeah, you would you know, go into your backups and restore it from backup and do this, this and that. And I said, well, I would just, you know, make sure volume shadow copy service is on. And then I would just restore the previous version. And they were like, well, what's a volume shadow copy service? And I was like, well, mm-hmm. that came out. So I, it, it led to a whole 20 minute conversation of me explaining to them what that was and showing them. And the only reason I knew it is because a month before I went and did the latest uh, MCSC certification. And that was one of the new things that they added. So it was a situation where I clearly got the job. There were people more experienced than me and had more uh, definitely more hands-on experience, but they didn't know that thing. 
And I knew right. that one thing because I was up on my certifications. So I think right. it works both ways and you really just want to try to have both. Mm -hmm. um, one that you have control over that you can fix right now is a certification. The experience one you have less control over. You just have to wait and get that. Right. Fantastic. Good answer. Um, okay, so here's one more submitted question before we move on to the live questions. Um, so this person is currently working on the CompTIA Network Plus and the IBM Cloud Application Developer Certifications at school. Um, should they be looking for a network analyst or cloud technician jobs first, then transfer to a cybersecurity field? Or should they start pursuing entry-level cybersecurity certifications, such as Security Plus, and then look for a job in cybersecurity? Um, so this is, again, kind of the interesting certifications versus um, experience question. So really interested in what you think about this. Yeah, I mean, I would probably lean more towards uh, getting a cybersecurity certification first and then trying to get an entry-level job in cybersecurity somewhere. And then you can still backfill you know, the network skills and the cloud skills on your own, or right. you know, maybe as part of that job, uh, just to, because my thing is if your eventual goal is to get into cybersecurity, you can still get into it and backfill the skill sets that you, you need to really be good at it. And, you know, I'm a proponent, like every webinar I've done, I've said to me, the best path is you become, you master networking and master operating systems and all these other things first, and then you move into cybersecurity. But you can definitely right. do the opposite. You can, you know, get into cybersecurity in a very intra-level fashion and then backfill, learn those other things. So I would say if you're really trying to make the jump now, um, look at Security Plus, make some connections, see if you can get an entry-level job, and then um, move into cybersecurity and backfill on the other stuff. And keep in mind, there are other cybersecurity roles, too, that, that you know, don't even require so much of the uh, the networking and things like that, because there's a lot of, of uh, management jobs. There's a lot of jobs that aren't really technical at all, you know, compliance-based jobs where you just have to make right. sure the organizations are compliant. So I think a lot of that question, uh, Yara, depends on what it is you're trying to do in cybersecurity. You know, are you trying to do a technical career or are you trying to just be in cybersecurity, period? Um, if it's just trying to be in that period, then I would say jump in and give yourself some time to explore. And that's another thing too, uh, I wanna tell people, don't be afraid to like start a career or start a path in cybersecurity and realize it's not for you and say, I don't like doing this, I wanna do something else in cybersecurity. Don't, absolutely don't be afraid of doing that because uh, right. that's where you're really gonna excel is when you start doing stuff that you wanna do. For sure. And I think, I think that's an interesting point with, with doing stuff that you want to do. Um, this industry has so many different portions of it. Like you said, you know, there's auditors, there's engineers, there's, um, you know, something that I think is an interesting job is, is people that like develop security content for training, like some people on our team and, um, you know, develop different security um, education, I think is an interesting job that some people can go into if they don't necessarily like, you know, all of the hands on, but they have the experience and knowledge on how to, you know, develop this material to teach to others. I think that that can be, um, you know, an interesting path to go down as well. And, and there's just so many different roles that need to be filled. I mean, if you go on any job website right now and, and kind of just keyword cybersecurity, um, 
which I, I did that the other day, just kind of uh, working on a, on a different project, looking at, looking at different roles that were available all across the country. Um, yeah, there is so many different titles and, and so many different roles, um, you know, that are options. Yep, absolutely. Very cool. Um, all right, well, now let's move on. Um, some questions are coming through through the Q&A panel here and, and keep submitting those to all the attendees that are on with us today. So um, first question is from Will, and he kind of said, uh, what is the difference of CISSP and another certification? Um, which certification is more valuable for people who kind of want to have a fast track? And that kind of touches on, on the question just previous. Um, so what are your thoughts there? I mean, I think if you're trying to fast track yourself into cyber, you have your, your, you know, your usual suspects, CISSP, Security Plus, um, Network Plus, uh, CEH, you know, those ones are kind of the ones that if you look at cyber jobs, I mean, I would, I, I would bet you that it would, it would be nearly impossible to do a search on Monster or Career Builder for a cybersecurity position and not see at least one of those three certifications. Um, right. requirement. So I think getting those three or getting one of those three would be like your quickest way to at least be get the attention of some people recruiting for cyber positions. Um, but again, the key there is, you know, make sure that you you have an idea of what it is you want to do before you even embark on that mission, because that's going to dictate several things. One, what you want to end up doing is going to dictate the order at which you get those certs in. And then secondly, what you wanna end up doing is gonna dictate which certs you get after those three primary certs. So I would say have an idea of what it is you wanna end up doing before you try to fast track into cyber. Like know what you wanna do after you get in and then fast track in. Right, okay, very cool. Well, Will, thanks for the question. I, I hope that helped a little bit. Um, Another question that kind of came through is um, this person is trying to transition into cybersecurity from their current career um, working in the public school system. So they recently got a Security Plus certification and a Bachelor of Science degree in cybersecurity, but they don't have any professional or paid experience. Um, so they've searched and found hundreds of cyber jobs in the metropolitan areas, um, but the entry level or tier one jobs generally require three years of experience um, from what this person has found. Um, so he's being told that he doesn't have enough experience. Um, how can he overcome this and convince employers that he can do the job, he or she, I'm not sure. Yeah, I would definitely say, um, you know, with that question, you probably want to make sure that you know, you again have an idea of what it is you want to be doing. And when you go on these interviews and you run into that whole thing of experience over certifications, I think you kind of have to ask, well, why did they even call you in for the interview if, if they really, there, there had to be a reason that you even got called in uh, for the interview. Um, so there may be some other things that's going on that's, that's dealing with it a little bit that's um, right. making you not as attractive. You know, maybe look at the skill sets that you have. But, and then also one way to overcome that is you might have to do like some volunteer work and things of that nature, like go to your local um, nonprofit organization, one of your nonprofits, and just volunteer to do a pen test or a security audit or, or some security consulting thing for them, you know, on the house kind of just to, just so that you can have it 
on your resume that you've done these things, you've actually got a client that someone can call and, and reference and say that you've actually done these things. Um, that right. to me is one way to kind of get past that experience challenge uh, because that is definitely a challenge that I even see it myself with employers. Uh, and I've even advised employers to kind of, you know, take, just take a look at least behind the curtain sometimes. Uh, even if the person doesn't have the experience, take a look at it because again, I got my best pen tester. Like now she's my best pen tester and she didn't have any of the experience that was required, but because of how she approached the interview, I kind of decided to take a, a shot and it was, it was definitely worth it. So, um, but for you guys trying to get these jobs, definitely just continue to get the search because again, the whole thing, if you run into employers that, that clearly value experience, there is no magic thing that you can do to get around that. You just have to keep interviewing until you get somewhere where that's not the case. But the main thing is while you're doing that, while you're you know preparing for those interviews, keep preparing for search, keep learning. Because again, to me, like when that opportunity comes, uh, you better be able to hit the ground running. And the only way you're gonna do that is to keep learning as if you already know you're gonna get the job. So keep preparing for the job that you wanna do. Uh, and that will set you up for when that luck happens or when preparation and opportunity finally meets, you'll be prepared to take advantage of that opportunity. I think some people get frustrated with that conundrum and they stop preparing. So at that point, they are not even prepared to take advantage of the opportunity when it does present itself. Or worse, they're not even aware that the opportunity is there because they unplug from cyber to where they're not familiar with what's going on now. So I think you just have to really just stay at it. Um, but at the, in the meantime, don't waste your time. Keep preparing, keep getting the skills so that when you do see somebody that will take a chance, because me, for example, the thing that I look at the most is I always give technical interviews. So I will give you a laptop with the Kali CD and say, do these things. So when you run into somebody like me, that experience is not going to mean as much as you might think, because you can have a lot of experience doing something the wrong way, you know? So mm -hmm. if you've been testing for five years, but you've been doing it terribly for five years, then I don't want to hire that person either. Uh, but if you're kind of new to it, but you actually got some solid skills and I see that in your technical interview, then I'm definitely going to hire you over the person that's got experience. So, uh, right. I don't think that's going to necessarily make it easier for you, but just to encourage you, uh, there are some of us out here that, that look past that experience thing and we look for the actual skills because sometimes experience doesn't always equal skill. Right. And now going off of that, what percentage or, or in your experience um, when people are hiring for cybersecurity positions, um, how many of those include a technical interviewer or a time to showcase their skills um, or is it more specifically just kind of looking at that resume, looking at that years of experience and looking at that list of certifications? Well, I think the list of certifications uh, and that type of stuff is what's going to get you the interview. Okay. Um, once you get the interview, if they're expecting you to do pen testing, you're probably going to have to do like some technical stuff in your interview. If they're expecting you to do a technical cyber job, I can't imagine a lot of places not at least having you do like a little test um, as to where you have to actually do things. So um, I think that's more likely uh, what you're going to see when okay. you go into a technical interview. But if you're interviewing for an audit position, then don't expect to go in doing something technical either. Sure. Okay. That sounds good. 
Um, and that makes sense, you know, with, again, just with the variety that there is. So another question that came through is Michelle, again, is asking, um, she's interested in, likes the idea of potentially, you know, transitioning from her education career into education within InfoSec or within information security, technical, um, technical education. Is there a specific certification you would recommend for someone who is interested in teaching cybersecurity? Yeah, uh, I would definitely say that uh, if you want to teach it, like I said, cybersecurity is a very broad thing. So right. uh, if you start off with broader certifications like Security Plus is on the lower end of broad and CISSP is on the higher end of broad. So mm -hmm. those, I think, are two good starting points because it gives you visibility and insight into a lot of different things, cyber. And that sets you up as a good teacher for whatever specialization you want to go into teaching uh, because now you can speak to other things that are you know to the right or the left of what the main topic is without right. getting off topic type of thing and that to me makes you a, a much more fluid instructor um, is if you if you have the ability to you know kind of seamlessly go from one topic to the other get off track just a little bit but not enough to distract people and get back on topic so I think that would be some certifications that would be good to start there with. Sure. Um, here's another question that came through on the q and um, Kind of interesting about, you know, the location of cybersecurity jobs. So this person is asking, seems like companies in the Silicon Valley are looking for people with a lot of experience and are super competitive. Um, are there other areas of the country more open to taking a chance on someone without a lot of experience? If so, any suggestions on a metro area that might be good for this person? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I don't think it's so much the metro areas. I think people have to just kind of lower somewhat their expectations of what job they're, they're going to enter into cyber with. Like, you're not going to enter in with this dream pen testing job that, that you see you know, people talking about on the internet because they've probably done other things to, you know, to work up to that job. Also, you know, take some time to actually go and talk to places. Um, I just did an experiment, you know, a, a few months ago. I went downtown, you know, Chicago, and said, I'm going to spend the next two days, you know, six hours a day just walking into buildings because there are so many office buildings mm -hmm. downtown. There's literally thousands and thousands of companies. And I went and just walked up and down, you know, knocked on doors, rung bells, uh, walked into the receptionist and just asked if I could leave a resume because I'm looking for a position in cybersecurity. I mean, I'm not really, and it wasn't really my name on the resume because if they Googled it, they would be like, yeah, this guy can't possibly be looking for a, a entry level position. So I had a, some fake stuff on there just to see. And it was amazing because Within the first day, I think I dropped off uh, probably 60 resumes that first day. And by that afternoon, I had got about 17 calls. Wow. And I specifically structured it to where, uh, you know, the skills that I had, I had Security Plus, and I had on there studying for CEH. And I had like some, just some very extremely basic skills on there. And I got 17 calls, you know, that first day. Uh, from just walking in. I didn't do any LinkedIn. I didn't do any emailing. I literally right. just walked into those places and just left resumes with the receptionist or whoever happened to be there saying, hey, I'm looking for to do some entry-level cybersecurity work. So I think for one, you have to make your expectations realistic as to what position you're trying to get. 
and two, start thinking about doing some unconventional things to market and sell yourself, uh, including the way that you used to have to do it, which was like I just described, walk into places and actually say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm looking to, to uh, get into this field because you never know, you might walk into a place and they, they might be having a security incident or something or somebody just got a phishing email right then and, right. Uh, you know, run into that. That's a, that's a very interesting experiment. I like that. I think when you first started saying you walked into different Chicago office buildings, I, I kind of first thought this was going to be an experiment on um, like physical security, you know, seeing how many people would, would let you in or buzz you in without a pass or, or that kind of thing. Because um, even that's a little bit of, a little bit of a tie into the cybersecurity field with, you know, who can get on your network or who can, uh, you know, have access to, the different businesses and and that's always interesting to see as well but I really like that experiment of of just kind of handing out the resumes and that's just a way to to make yourself more memorable and make yourself noticed right away because it is so rare that um, you know a physical resume is given unless it's perhaps a job fair or something like that so that's a really interesting tip I think I think I you know would like to see more people try that and and if anyone has any cool stories to share uh, send them to me via email that'd be interesting to hear about looks like we've got time for just a couple more questions before we um, move on. Um, so another question is InfoSec and cybersecurity are such broad terms and I'm specifically interested in digital forensics. Um, any suggestions for certifications that support a forensics path more than security and other preventative measures? Um, well, yeah, there's definitely some, uh, some, some certifications specific to uh, digital forensics. I would say any of the like CHFI, um, the CCFE, you know, all the okay. stuff that you can probably find on the InfoSec website for okay. specifically for digital forensics. And then kind of as a crossover, the incident response training, there's a lot of forensics involved in that uh, training and that certification as well. Because when you do technical incident response, a big part of it is actually uh, doing some variations of forensics, whether it be network, uh, host, memory, whatever the case may be. So I think driving towards those certifications, CHFI, um, CCFE, and then some of the incident response certifications would probably be where you would start if you're trying to do that type of thing. Now, as far as defense, because I think it said something about defensive in there as well, mm -hmm. I think at that point it gets very, it becomes a lot more vendor specific. You know, like if you're, if you're going to have an entire Cisco infrastructure, uh, of Cisco firewalls, then you want to take and get Cisco defense certifications or Cisco uh, security certifications. If you have Juniper, then you want to get their certifications. Right. Really tailoring that to, to meet your needs. Mm -hmm. Sure. Very good. Well, you know, as we get to kind of close to the end of our hour here, we're going to go ahead and move on. But I just want to, again, thank everyone for the fantastic questions and everyone that submitted them in advance of the webinar as well as live today. Um, and then, of course, for those who are for Keytron who joined us today. So appreciate you having us. With that, it actually looks like we've got a couple more minutes left. Keytron, would you mind sharing just a little bit about what you currently do. And, and so you told us about kind of how you started in the industry. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this might relate to the one last question here, which is how do you start your own cyber consulting business? Um, so I think that kind of ties in with, with um, how you've progressed throughout your career. 
Yeah, I, I think that that's a good question. And honestly, for me, like the thing that I think was most valuable is first of all, you need to become really good at doing cyber consulting, you know, like it's, it, there's a whole lot of business concepts, but that stuff is not going to help you if you're not good at it, you know? Right. So you have to become really good at what you're doing uh, if you're going to do cyber consulting. And the, and the best advice I would give is number one, um, focus on something like find a specialization in cyber consulting and focus on that and become very, very good at that. And then if you see opportunity to grow other areas, do that because I started specifically doing pen testing uh, as my cyber practice and that grew into a whole lot of other different things that we do now. But I was careful not to branch into other areas until we really had a lock on pen testing and then forensics and then incident response. And now threat hunting has become like the fastest growing uh, business area for us. We get a lot of uh, RFPs for that. So okay. I think that, that doing it that way. And the other thing is make sure you see a lawyer, uh, an accountant, mm -hmm. uh, and an insurance person. Like see those three people first when you okay. do business. Because a lot of your questions will be answered just from talking to those three people. Sure. Fantastic. Well, um, again, Keytron, thanks so much for joining us. Your insight is just always so valuable and, and helpful for those, you know, both already in the industry as well as those who are just starting out and, and kind of looking for a pathway. So definitely appreciate you joining us. Um, with that, it looks like we're coming close to the end of our time here. So uh, we will wrap up and I hope everyone has a fantastic day. All right. Thank, thank you. you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just as a reminder, many of our podcasts also contain video components, which can be found at our YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com and type in cyber work with InfoSec to check out our collection of tutorials, interviews, and other webinars. And as ever, search cyber work with InfoSec in your podcast app of choice for more episodes. Thanks once again to Keytron Evans and moderator Camille Dupuis. And thank you all for listening. We'll speak to you next week.